Good morning, guys. Yeah, I just wanted to come on here and kind of make up for the <laughs> a little bit for the live stream I did yesterday. I mean, I was a bit tired, and of course, going into the evening, and you know, you start kind of, you know, relaxing and everything. But again, I wanted to come on here as a makeup to like, once again talk about the 10th anniversary of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. So hopefully, I can do a better job here <laughs> than I did on the live stream. Although it seems like I did okay, um, I wasn't the only one did a, that did a live stream yesterday um, uh, talking about the 10th anniversary. Uh, but, you know, let's see if I can make up for that. Hey guys, just wanted to come on here real quickly. Um, kind of a bonus before you see the rest of the video. And just let you know that uh, in addition to what I'm going to say here uh, in the video, I also had um, employees, uh, fellow associates I used to work with at Walmart that were fans as well. And that kind of surprised me, but it was com comforting to know that I wasn't alone in this. Uh, for example, uh, there was one associate that was mainly a sports, uh, worked in sporting goods, was like the department manager there for, for a while. And uh, she liked My Little Pony, even though I didn't, you know, ask her straight out if she was a how long she'd been a fan or what she knew about the show. But she, um, on occasions, would wear um, a brony t-shirt, the already established uh, Rainbow Dash brony t-shirt, you know, with the Rainbow Dash in the middle and the word brony on the top. So it was nice to see that I was a fellow fan, um, or another adult, I should say, that even though she was younger than I, um, I was a fan of the show. So I knew, hey, if I was to kind of talk to somebody about it, at least I wouldn't be uh, ashamed about it or anything like that. Uh, at least I'd have somebody that I could uh, that would understand where I was coming from. And then, of course, I had another fellow associate who was older than me. We called her uh, Coco. And she um, was a fan as well to the point that, well, she didn't wear a T-shirt or anything. But what she would do is she would have a Pinkie Pie sticker on her badge. And when I noticed that, I was like, oh, okay, she's a fan as well. That's pretty cool. And she's older than me. Well, a little older than me, but still, it's like, oh, okay, cool. So, yeah, I just started that you know that uh, before you watch the rest of the video, that um, the one thing I forgot to mention in there is what helped me really accept, you know, becoming a fan was not just everything that I mentioned and those that I mentioned in the video, but also the fact that I had co-workers, co-associates that were fans, fans as well. So that kind of eased me into kind of understanding and, you know, be accepting, you know, understanding it better and kind of having it win me over uh, in the long run so just i throw that in there throw this in here guys and enjoy the rest of the video and i'll talk to y'all later yeah like i said you know 10 years ago when the show began um like a lot of fans that became very well-renowned fans uh here on youtube in the internet i wasn't too sure about it I mean, it did take time to win me over completely, but it was like, I still wasn't too sure about it. You know, like I mentioned in the live stream, eight years ago, I did a video where, you know, I said I was not a brony, and you can find that video here on my channel. And the reason I did that video is because I wanted to come out and say, look, I respect what the show's doing. I respect, you know, the fan base it's, you know, you know, gaining or growing and all that, but it's just not for me, you know. Uh, you know, I think I even acknowledged that there were some characters I enjoyed. But over time, it started to win me over to the point that sometimes in my videos, 
uh, well, me and my mom were still living in Patterson, uh, I would talk about it. I would talk about the characters, situations, and I even started, and I even did a video where I asked myself, you know, where I asked myself and the people watching, am I becoming a brony? Because all of a sudden I started to gain more interest uh, in this show because I started to notice that there were people from my age range that grew up in the 80s and the 90s and even a bit of the 70s uh, that were really getting into the show and getting into the characters. And I think one of the reasons they got into it was the diversity of different characters that you had. Not just, you know, just regular ponies with the same designs, but they had their own unique look to them and their own unique personalities. And I think that's what really attracted a lot of people. And it, along with the stories in the music time, you know, at times I should say, along with the story and the music, a lot of people started to get behind it. It's like there was something there that when Lauren Faust created this, you know, she set out basically to make it a show where the entire family can enjoy it. But as I've mentioned before, I'm sure she had no idea that she was going to create a show that was going to garner the fan base that it did. And that's exactly what happened. But again, I think the main reason why people were so appealed to the show, so attracted to the show, was the diversity in the characters. Was the fact that the characters weren't just the same designed characters. They had different personalities. They have different looks. You know, they even established the fact that, you know, the characters... You know, from a species perspective, a pony race perspective, you know, back to the origins had trouble getting along because one race thought they were superior to the other. And that's something you wouldn't see ta uh, tackled that much in a kid's show targeted towards younger kids, which this show was originally targeted at. You know, but they did that and it was really surprising and they kept doing that. They kept touching upon that through the rest of the series to the point that the finale you know, depended on that being touched upon and even recreated very briefly for the villains to kind of have an advantage. So, yeah, it's like, when you, so yeah, when you look at all that, even back when it first began, you kind of see why adult fans got attracted to it. Uh, but like a lot of fans, like Silver Quill and Dr. Wolf and Lightning Bliss and Golden Fox and Keyframe and Thespio, and many others, uh, Fiora, Mad Munchkin, you know, it, it, you know, Dusty Cat, known as the manliest brony around, um, it took us time, you know, to get one over. It took us like a season or two to get one over, and once we started to get one over, we started to go back and watch the reruns either through On Demand or through Netflix, because Netflix, I think at that time, all around that time frame, when it was starting to win a lot of people over, had acquired the streaming rights to uh, stream previous seasons of Friendship is Magic. And I think On Demand was just coming into its own at that time um, as well. So people started to be able to uh, watch the episodes on, the, on Hub On Demand or Discovery Family On Demand whenever they wanted to kind of, you know, you know, get up to speed as to what was going on with the show and with the characters. So again, I think all that combined is what really helped make this show the pop culture phenomenon that it became. And like, and again, for me, it took time for me to be won over because ironically, few, not even a year or two after I did that I'm Not a Brony deal, uh, I started, again, like I said, I started talking about the characters and, you know, in several videos, like what they were going through and, 
you know, talking about this or that. And, and then when I did that one video asking myself and the viewers if I was becoming a brony, I think that's when it started to kind of click that, hey, this show's starting to win me over because not only was I starting to get more invested in it because I started seeing and hearing about people my age from Silver Quill, AC Waste Pest, and, you know, and many, and many that I just mentioned uh, being one over themselves and enjoying the show themselves and even taking time out of their lives to do YouTube reviews and analysis on the shows. Um, you know, when, when I started seeing that, it's like I started realizing, hey, there is something here. Maybe I should give it a chance. Because like I said, when I started seeing them being won over, you know, that's when it started, to, like I said, it started to really click that, hey, I'm being won over too, and maybe I should give it a chance. The other way I know it was being won, won over was besides the first rarity plush I got, which had the multicolor stringy hair, the purple and pink hair strings, um, in the, you know, on top of a head for hair. The other way I knew I was being won over when I was, was when I first bought these two, these mini Funko figures of Luna and Celestia. That also should have confirmed to me I was being won over. You know, that should have confirmed to me I was being won over as, you know, as well. And another thing that I, another clue and hint that I was being won over is when I took uh, one of the discs that I was using for my traditional or my yearly uh, holiday movies and specials uh, recordings, and I recorded Luna Eclipse, which was their hollow, which was their answer to a Halloween episode. Uh, so I was, so I think it's just little tidbits here and there, moments here and there, purchases here and there, uh, started to kind of clue me in personally that I was becoming a fan, I was becoming a brony, and. It would take until about a year or so, a year or two late, a year or two ago, oh, uh, for me to come out and admit that, which I did here on YouTube and various Facebook group pages. You know, I came out, sat at my desk right, right here, and said that I'm a brony. You know, I'm admitting right now that, you know, what I said I wasn't eight, you know, years prior, which I think was like six years prior, has become the opposite. It won me over. And I think one of the other things that one, and I think not just from the perspective of noticing other people like my age that you wouldn't think would be into a show like this being won over, and like I said, taking the time to review it and give their analysis on characters and stuff like that. You know, to me, it wasn't just them that won me over, it was also the characters themselves. Because the characters themselves won those, won those very same people over as well into watching the show. And one character in particular, of course, the one one of them that I just showed you was Princess Luna. Luna was one of them. And I think the reason she won me over is because, like a lot of people have said, she's relatable. She takes even though she's a princess like Celestia, who's an older sister. Luna takes on a more personal approach when it comes to those that need help. And and also you can kind of tell she has that rebellious side. And what what person isn't attracted to the rebellious character in a show, whether they like that show entirely or they don't? 
one person is not attracted to that anti-rebellious character that you know wants to do something but they know they can't because maybe the sibling who's the authority in in this case like with celestia advises them look i understand what you want to do but we got to let it play out this way you know you you can't be you can't help but be attracted to that especially when you start noticing that that character also has a bit of you know regret to you know to, uh, to themselves because of what they did prior in the previous form in the corrupted form i should say of nightmare moon so you you take all that and you put it into one character that's going to attract a lot of people and consider that character to be one of the best characters or as Silver Curl would put it, one of the best princesses um, in the series. But it wasn't just Luna that attracted me over either. It was actually another character. That character was Rarity. And yes, I understand she was designed to be like the eye candy of the show. But it wasn't just her being the eye candy. It was the fact that this little dude, Spike, had feelings for her. And feelings for her since the beginning. And I think the episode that really got my attention to, to that was, of course, Secret of My Excess. And the reason Secret of My Excess got my attention was just the same way a magic mystery cure in the ending that it had there really got a lot of people's attention. It was the fact that it was solidifying this kind of a sweet crush slash romance special relationship more than friendship relationship that Spike and Rarity were having. And the reason it got people's attention is because even back then, more to a lesser extent now, but even back then, a lot of people were questioning, you know, are we promoting something that we shouldn't be promoting? Because Spike at that time, uh, up until at least that episode, or before even, or even before that episode, was considered a baby dragon. But I think as they got into the second season, they started to kind of, you know, taper off from that and just can look at him as a regular dragon. But people still, uh, you still looked at, you know, how you know Twilight would reference him like that, and even Fluttershy when she first met him would reference him, and it's like. You know, look, and to a lot of people, I should say, it was like, look, you know, they're not they're not calling him that anymore, even to the second season. They've tapered off. But, again, the reason I think Secret of My Excess got my attention and it got a lot of people's attention was because of the fact that it looked like the show was kind of uh, officially confirming what would, what would become known as the Sparity Ship as an item, as a real thing. And, you know, even Voice of Reason back then when he would when he did his overview of season two even said you know Sparity Spike and Rarity Sparity is canon so it made you kind of think you know made you wonder are they actually trying to tease us with a possible romance here you know even though excuse me even though in the eyes of some it wasn't it didn't seem like you know it should happen because of certain reasons but again, that was one of the other things that attracted me. It wasn't just Luna and Rarity, but also the Spike and Rarity relationship because put yourself in Spike's shoes. You know, Rarity's like the girl next door to him and, 
you know, like any guy, you know, we want to impress that girl next door. We want to do anything we can to hang out with that girl next door and maybe potentially, you know, make them ours and vice versa with the women or with the girls. They have the guy next door. They're willing to do whatever they can to spend time with that guy and eventually make them the, make him theirs. And you kind of kind of and you kind of related to that when it came to Spike and Rarity's relationship in the show. And I could relate with that when it came to their, um, you know, the friendship, you know, the very close, special friendship, more than friendship, romantic crush, whatever you want to call it, uh, situation in the show. And uh, over time, like I said, it just started to attract me more to the point that when I finally became a fan, I think I became a fan more so because we started to see characters that were, you know, kind of rebellious, wanted to do their own thing, but were willing to do the, but also was willing to do the right thing as well. A good character, for example, that I look at. Is Starlight and Trixie even to an extent but Starlight mostly Starlight of course started out as a villain but when she started to get when she started to build upon her redemption that's when she started to win people over because they're like yeah this is a character you know that because a lot of people of course were unsure about her at first but then over time it's like yeah this I like this character because you know, she's trying to do good, she's trying to make up for what she did, but she still has the tendencies to falter a little bit and kind of um, go to the extreme, you know, pushing the envelope. I mean, she even said it herself in the season seven finale, you know, you know, she's, you know, she's always wanted to push the envelope open all that when it comes to certain things. And I think that's what a lot of people liked about her was the fact that she was the kind that would push the envelope, would take it to that next level, but would also have tendencies to fall back onto what she was before. So you could relate with her, and I think that's what attracted a lot of people to her. And the same with Sunset Shimmer in the Equestria Girls spinoff. Um, a lot of people, you know, speaking of Equestria Girls, nobody was really sure about that in the 10-year history of the franchise. Because they felt that Hasbro had sold out, but I think when Rainbow Rocks came around, which was utilized as, Rain as Sunset's full redemption, that's when it kind of, I think in a sense, my opinion, Rainbow Rocks kind of helped set, set the record straight that, yeah, Equestria Girls may seem like Hasbro is selling out and trying to get a pot out of that monster high, ever after high pie, but it's its own thing. And oh, by the way, Eventually, you're going to find out that it's still in the same continuity and somewhat timeline as Friendship is Magic. Because we see that later on during certain specials like, um, you know, like Forgotten Friendship and Spring Breakdown. You know, we start seeing that. And even Magic, Magic Mystery uh, Movie or whatever. We start seeing that. So we start kind of getting the idea that they're all with that both shows are in the same continuity and somewhat the same timeline, except one takes place in our world or the equivalent of our world, while the other takes place in this fantasy world. And I think that's what really helped, you know, set set the stand, set the bar as the fact that Equestria Girls is friendship is magic, but on a high school level kind of deal. Um. But overall, like I said, it, over time, the show just won me over and uh, to the point that 
like I said, with just the merchandise that I just showed you that I purchased throughout the years, years and everything, that basically, I just addressed something there, but, you know, like I said, uh, it, you know, just started to win me over and, you know, like I said, the merchandise that I ended up getting throughout the years isn't evident that what started out as just a few purchases snowballed into something more. I don't know what does. I mean, I'll give you another prime example of what I'm talking about. This right here, this uh, Power Pony set, and you can even see it in the mirror there. The Power Pony set, it right there, was the first, it was the first major purchase I had got uh, when it came to this. Because one of the other episodes that got people talking, and it kind of has a mixed reaction even to this day, is the Power Ponies episode from season, I think, was it five or four? And um, uh, basically the reason it got a mixed reaction is because a lot of people felt like they would jump in the shark here. It didn't make any sense. It didn't have nothing to really do with um, the show in context on continuity except for season five when in the dream realm to kind of help Princess Luna you have Applejack and, and Rainbow Dash kind of through the magic of dreams kind of transform into the pony uh, power pony personas uh, but anyway um, still a lot of people felt this didn't really have any context or anything you know it was like it didn't need to be there but Others felt it was cool. Others actually liked it because they started to learn more about it. I think over time, the Power Ponies episode has gained a bit of a cult following because, in appreciation, because people started to learn more that, oh, it was a nod, it was a homage to comic books of the past, to people like Jack Kirby and, and Stan Lee and all that. And we didn't know that, you know, and Steve Ditko and all that. Basically, superhero comics of the past and, and even the present and we didn't know that. I'm sure, however, those behind the episode kind of knew what they were getting themselves into because it wouldn't be long after, even up to this day, that you would have people here on YouTube and other places creating Power Ranger-inspired intros for the Power Ponies. I mean, heck, one one uh, group, uh, one guy, or one uh, brony band, as they call themselves, actually reworded the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers uh, lyrics and called it Mighty Morphin Power Ponies instead. So you get a Power Rangers intro, oh, and everything just like you would, would with the original, but instead, but instead of them singing Go Go Power Rangers, they're singing Go Go Power Ponies. But then afterwards, all the rest of the intros that I would see, courtesy I think of Blaze Winter, you know, were pretty much under the, well, basically utilizing, I should say, the same. A musical intro from the regular Power Rangers show, from Zeo to to Lost Galaxy to Lightspeed Rescue to Wild Force, you name it, they were still using it. Um, oh, he was still using it uh, for the intros. So yeah, Power Ponies, you know, got a you know, even though it got a mixed reaction at first, some liking it, some not. I think over time it's gained kind of a cult following, uh, if you will, and it was actually one of the episodes that was shown as a work in progress at a San Diego Comic-Con that the previous year to kind of show people what was in store for that upcoming season. And again, just like with uh, Magic Mystery Cure, um, I think it got some attention through the press, like Entertainment Tonight and, you know, talked about it briefly. I think 
to close out the newscast, other newscast, you know, like CBS, NBC, and all that would talk about it. So, yeah, it did get some coverage, which was pretty cool. Um, uh, overall, um, you know, when I look, but overall, though, like I said, it was the Power Ponies thing was my first big purchase. And then, of course, what you saw in the mirror there as well, the Wonder Bowls and the Magic of Every Pony, those followed later on. And then, of course, behind me is a good example. I mean, if you would have told me 10 years ago, or even eight years ago when I did that I'm Not a Brony video, that this was going to be the end result. Almost of me having a complete face turn 180, if you will, I wouldn't have believed you. But yet, here we are. <laughs> you know, I mean, heck, I even got this. I even ended up getting that to the point that, are you ready for this? On a day I was off from work, I took an Uber. I think it was an Uber. Or was it a bus? Was it a bus or an Uber? I can't remember. I think it may have been. I think it may have been an Uber. I think it was a bus. Then it was an Uber. I took the bus to my job because we still had this Cantalot set on sale. We actually reduced it in price, and it was a Walmart exclusive because it came with a, an extra figure. I think it was Twilight. And I decided I was going to get it, and I did. But I also decided to get some other items uh, as well, other MLP items. And because I think we had a bonus that week, so I decided I was going to splurge a little bit. So long story short, I ended up getting it. And as soon as I got it home, after I put everything away, I started to, and you know, kind of got myself something to eat and everything. I started to assemble it. And basically what you see, you know, is the end result. But I think what really kind of solidified the fact that I turned that corner and be, you know, made a 180, became a brony, was when I took the bus to go see that on opening day. I mean, I know a lot of people saw it the night before on opening night, but I saw it on opening day. Took the bus early in the morning, went to Turlock, saw it, went home, you know, had a great time, you know, watching the movie. You know, had fun. You know, kind of treated myself to a day out. Wish I could do that now, but unfortunately can't um but yeah like i said i had a, had a great time had some fun had a fun time and everything and that to me when i made that trip solidified that i was a brony it solidified it because i was willing to take time out to i, I basically i had planned out this day for weeks when i heard the movie was coming on what day it was i was gonna request that day off and i was gonna go uh to go i was gonna use it to go see a movie and that's what i did so, I think that right there solidified me as being a brony, a fan, being won over by the series. And, again, I know that there's a lot of fans um, my age that even got won over towards the later part of the show, towards the end of it, that would, if they had Netflix, would go back and binge all the episodes from all the seasons to see exactly, you know, what it was about, who the characters were, get a better understanding of them, as well as be caught up, continuity-wise, on some of what was being talked about and everything. So, yeah, you know, fans were still being won over, even up towards the end. Um, but really, you know, but really, you know, but really, you know, it's like, I can't say any more than what I have about 
about this show, about this franchise and the impact it's had. I mean, the fact that I did reaction videos, if you will, uh, to Best Gift Ever as well as to the finale, you know, that, that's really saying something. That's really saying something. But um, overall, I can't really say any more than what others have said. You know, like I said, it took me a while to be won over and eventually I was. And I can't say any more than that. I really can't. I mean, again, you take a look over here. I got these books and stuff. It's like, what more can you say? Um, but yeah, you know, it won me over. And I am I am not going to forget that. I'm always going to be appreciative of that. Because, you know, it, it's hard for any kind of show of any kind to win somebody over. And when it does, you know, that that's really meaning something. When someone that basically says, hey, I respect what they're doing, but I'm not going to get one over, eventually gets one over. You know, that, that's, that's show, that says something. That's saying that what you've done with this show, you know, has even bro broke the hardest of shells, if you will. And, you know, that's what happened. That's exactly what happened. So, again, I'm never going to forget it. I'm, the, I'm never going to forget this show. I'm glad it's still going strong. I mean, heck, the... The show pretty much I mean heck the show pretty much is still going strong through comic book form thanks to season ten being put into comic book. So yeah, the, the show, continuity-wise, is still going strong, even through the comics. So, overall, you know, uh, overall, I'm never going to forget the impact it's had on me. I know others won't forget the impact it's had on them. And I don't think I can say any more than that. So, um, thank you all for watching. Hopefully this made up a little bit of the rambling live stream I did yesterday. I know I sound like a bit, I rambled a bit here. It is early morning. Trying to do this best I can until before my mom wakes up. Um, <laughs> you know how that is when you live with people and you try to provide content or do videos. Uh, but anyway, uh, again, I, I really appreciate what the show has done for me. It's done for a lot of the fans. I mean, the impact it's made. I mean, the fact that you had conventions from BronyCon to BabsCon pop up, Everfree Northeast and all that. Uh, it really says something. I mean, when you have not one, but two documentaries, one of them focusing, I think, what was it on Ashley Ball, Andrea Lindgren, you know, going to a convention and being surprised by the adult fans that she was encountering. I think it was BronyCon, one of the first BronyCons. That's saying something. It really is saying something. So, um, anyway, though, guys, you know, that's all I can really say. And in conclusion, want to thank the voice act Once again, thank the voice actor, actresses and actors, the creative staff, as well, thank the fellow Brony, uh, Bronies and Pegasisters out there that help get people like me into the series, help when help us get one over, if you will, uh, with this, you know, when it came to certain characters and moments in the series. So, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you know, speaking of moments, you know, just to, just to put this out there, they actually when they did Slice of Life, which was focusing on the background ponies, and was a thank you to how creatively unique and weird the fans can be. They threw in the Big Lebowski reference. They threw ponies in there that were basically, you know, 
ponified versions of the Big Lebowski characters. So, you know, yeah, it's moments like that that, you know, convince a lot of fans, including me, to kind of give it a chance. And can't be more thankful than that. So, again, once again, I want to wish, I mean, thank the creative staff and the voice actresses and actors to help bring this all to life. And also want to thank the fellow bronies and Pegasus out there for helping get fans like me, as I mentioned earlier, into the show, get it, get us one over. Uh, and, if, you know, not only with their uh, reviews, but their analysis and discussions and all that on what the show is about and who the characters are. So thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. And in conclusion, happy, in conclusion, I want to wish the Friendship is Magic, My Little Pony, a happy 10th anniversary. It's still going strong with the continuity of the cartoon and the comics. And here's to maybe 10 more, even if it's in comic form, to the animated series known as Friendship is Magic. So thank you all for watching. God bless, guys. Take care. I am out. Stay safe.